0: Take a Bibles and turn to Romans chapter twelve, please. We will be going back to John sixteen that John read for us a little later, but uh, Romans twelve, please. Let's want to read verses nine to thirteen again. Love be without dissimulation; abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honour preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come together in this place. We thank you, Father God, that uh, you have promised that we're two as we gathered together in your name. There are you in the midst. We thank you for the blessed knowledge, Father God, that you've given us your word to guide us, to lead us, to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path or way. Lord, as we open up your word again today, we pray that you give us understanding that the Spirit of God would take the word of God and apply it to each of our hearts and lives. You know each of our needs. You know, Father God, where each of us are at and you know what each of us need this day. We pray that your word today would meet the needs of your people. You'd to us through your word. And I pray that, Lord, you'd use me to your glory. We pray that, Father God, you'd help me to speak plainly, to be able to recall that which I've studied and be a blessing, Father God, today as we study your word together. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been dealing in Romans chapter 12 verses 9 to 13 with our relationship as believers with each other, particularly our relationship with each other inside the local church. Now as we can consider as we continue to consider how we apply doctrine to practice, we came last week to Romans 12 12 rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. We said that rejoicing in hope and patient in tribulation go together. They're two sides of the same coin. They're the two sides of the Christian life. In the Christian life, if it was all tribulation and no hope, then you and I would soon become bitter and twisted and wear out. If the Christian life was all hope and no tribulation, then you and I would become weak and of little or no use to the Lord. What you and I need is both. We need hope, and we need tribulation. And we began last week by looking at rejoicing in hope. And we saw that, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, that this is, of course, basic and fundamental because if we do not understand it, we cannot possibly understand or put into practice the second injunction, which we are now going to consider patient in tribulation. You see, it's much easier for you and I as believers to endure tribulation when you and I are rejoicing in hope. When you and I are looking forward to that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, when you and I are hoping because of our salvation, when you and I are hoping because of our God, when you and I are hoping because of eternal life, when you and I have that no-so knowledge of truth out of God's Word, that hope... Enables you and I to endure tribulation, which is Paul's next exhortation in Romans 12. Be there. It says, Patient in tribulation. Pastor Mitchell said this if the Christian life is all endurance without any hope to rejoice in, then we would all very easily lose sight of the meaning and reason for enduring. It's one of those blessed contradictions in the Christian life. Because you and I have hope, we can endure tribulation. And we endure tribulations because we have hope. If we are truly to rejoice in hope, we must learn to endure. Because patient endurance produces hope. So it says in Romans chapter 5. Go back with me, please. Romans chapter 5. In verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Here we find that patience, experience, uh, and hope all go together. And you and I have hope because of what Christ has done for us. And you and I can endure tribulation because of that hope. So this morning, let's first establish then the meaning of tribulation here in chapter 12, Romans 12 and verse 12b. What does it mean, patient in tribulation? Well, the word patience here means that of endurance. It's a word that has the idea of bearing under, that you're under a load and you're bearing under the load. It's the idea, like a carriage, you know, that it's a load placed in the carriage and the carriage is bearing the load. That's patience. It's staying under that load. The idea of perseverance, the idea of fortitude, to bear up under trials. The word tribulation originally meant something that puts pressure to bear upon. So here is the two sides of it: patience, uh, sorry, hope, uh, and uh, so patience and tribulation. Patience is all about the enduring of the of the weight. The tribulation is the weight. Okay. So that, if you like, the patience is the carriage, the tribulation is that weight that you're putting on the carriage. In fact, the word tribulation means something that crushes. A tribulum was used to crush the corn in order to get the flour. So when they used to crush the corn, it was a tribulum they used. And that's where we get our word tribulation from. It means that things are pressing heavily upon. The things are so heavy upon us that they almost crush us to the extent of, of crushing us. So patience is carrying the load and the load is so heavy, it's almost crushing. One commentator said true tribulations of many kinds bring pressure to bear upon your spirit, upon your mind, upon your heart. They tend to crush you and flatten you, and get you right down. It's tribulations here. And so Romans 12.12 says that we are to endure, we're to stay under the pressure of tribulation. You and I are to have that patience, that endurance, that ability to withstand the crushing load of tribulation. You and I are to have patience in tribulation. We're to bear up under the trials. We're to persevere in tribulation because we have hope. Hope for the future. You and I know that the tribulation we've bear now, that the trouble that's crushing down upon our souls today will one day be over. It will be worth it all one day when we see Jesus. And so we are to bear up under the tribulation. We're to persevere. And it's the hope that we have in Christ that enables you and I to bear up under tribulation. And secondly this morning, let's establish the fact of our tribulation. And this is where we go back to John chapter 16, please. John chapter 16. Tribulation means to weigh down heavy to the point of almost crushing. Patience has the idea of bearing up under that struggle. And now we want to have a look at the fact about tribulation. In John chapter 16, Let's just read the first seven verses. It says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whether, uh, whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, that it is expedient for me to go, that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. We come to John chapter 16. We come to the Lord Jesus' last time with his disciples before his death. This is leading up to the crucifixion, leading up to the betrayal, the crucifixion, and his death upon the cross of Calvary. And Jesus is with his disciples for this last time, and he's starting to instruct them about what's going to happen to them. And as he starts to talk to them, they could tell. By the way that Jesus spoke, that something significant was about to happen. Something was about to change. Verse six of this chapter says, because I said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. They're starting to feel sorrowful. They're starting to wonder what's happening. This is not a usual time with their Lord that they've had over the last three years. Things are changing. Look in verses 17 and 18 of this chapter. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. The disciples were perplexed. Things were changing. The tone of the Savior's conversation had changed. Things were not the same as they'd been. Things were changing, and they're concerned, and what's more, they're puzzled. They just don't understand what he's saying to them. And although they may not be able to comprehend everything that was about to happen to them, Jesus is trying in this chapter to help them understand some important truths so that when he is gone, when he is ascended up to glory, they will have some truths to hold on to. He's trying to help them to understand what's going to befall them, what's going to happen to them, what's, what's, what's going to take place and when those things take place so that they might not be surprised by those things. That's what the Lord said to them. He says in verse uh, 3, let's read that again. He says, These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me, but these things I have told you that when the time shall come ye may remember that I told you of them. These things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. I'm telling you these things so that when they befall you, you'll understand why they're happening to you. And one such thing that he wanted them to understand is found in verse 33 of this chapter. It says this. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You've got cheer, I've overcome the world. He says, in the world ye shall have tribulation. The word tribulation here is translated anguish back in verse 21. It says, a woman, when she is in Raphael, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy of that man is born into the world. The word anguish there is the same word as tribulation in verse 33, Jesus knew that while his disciples were in the world, they would suffer the anguish of tribulation. And the Lord wanted them to understand that one of the realities of their life, one of the realities of the Christian life, one of the realities of being a child of God is that we will endure tribulation. We will have the anguish of tribulation. Jesus didn't want his disciples of the world He didn't want them locked away in some monastery to live as hermits. Look in John chapter 17 and verse 11. And I now am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. And then verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus didn't want his disciples locked away in some monastery. He didn't want them to live as hermits. He knew that they were going to be in the world. The Lord wants his disciples, and he wants you and I as believers, to be in the world. He tells us that we are in the world. He says that in verse 16. He says, they are not of the world, even though I am not of the world. They are not of the world, even though they are in the world. We are not of this world, but we are in the world. The Lord doesn't want to take his disciples out. He wants them to be in the world, and if they are going to be in the world, we are going to suffer tribulation we to live in this world. Now the Lord wants to keep us from the evil of this world. He doesn't want you and I to be tainted by the wickedness of this world which is what he says in verse 15 I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world but thou shouldst keep them from the evil. He doesn't want you and I to be tainted by the evil of the world but he doesn't want you and I taken out of this world. He's left us here for a purpose. You and I have been left behind to be a witness to be a testimony for Jesus Christ As one commentator to put it. In the world, we've been left in the world as lights to the world, as the salt of the earth, as guides to the blind, as ambassadors of Christ. Yes, he wants us in the world. It is the will of our Lord and Savior. Yet he said that being in the world would mean we will suffer tribulation. He wants us to be in a world that he knows will cause us struggles and hurts and trials. Therefore, it is his will that we suffer tribulation. Look at verse 18 of this chapter, chapter 17. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. The Lord has sent us forth into the world to be a witness, to be a testimony. And the truth is that because you and I are in this world, but we're not of this world, because you and I are citizens of heaven if we know Jesus Christ the Savior. If you're saved today, you're a child of the King and you're a citizen of heaven with pilgrims passing through. We're not of this world. We're in this world, but not of the world. And because of that, we will suffer tribulation. And the sooner you and I realize that we will suffer tribulation, the sooner you and I will realize that we cannot avoid tribulation. And therefore, the easier it will be to endure... That's why the Lord told them about the tribulation. He said, I tell you this, that you might be prepared for it. Muttlund Jones said this, trials and tribulations come upon us in various ways. They may happen as a result of circumstances over which we have no control at all. Or sometimes through temptations and sometimes through persecutions, they are sent to try God's people. We can't avoid tribulations. That's why Romans tells us be patient in tribulations. They are a very real part of the Christian life. Remember verse 14 of chapter 17 of John? I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We will suffer tribulation. You know, there are believers who try to resist tribulation. believers who want to fight against it, you want to fight against the god who allows it but the truth is that if you know Jesus Christ as savior today you can't avoid it look in first peter chapter 4 please first peter chapter 4 and verse 12 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Here's those two things together again. Patient in tribulation and rejoicing in hope. It says you and I shouldn't think it's strange when we Encounter fiery trials. It's not a strange thing that's happening unto us. What are we supposed to do? Rejoice in as much we're partakers of Christ's suffering. Why? That when the glory shall be revealed, we may be glad also as seeding joy. That glory, that's hope. You and I enjoy these tribulations now because we hope for the glory that's coming, for the day that we'll stand on heaven's shore and we'll look our Savior in the face. And then it will be worth it all. There's, however, another side to John 16, 33. Not only does he say in this verse, then in the world you shall have tribulation, but notice what he says, these things have I have spoken unto you, that you might have peace. He's writing what he's writing to the disciples, that they might have peace. That they might have peace in the midst of tribulation, that they might experience patience, It's in the midst of tribulation. You see, we know that in this world, what we have is wickedness. We know that this world is filled with tribulation, for it's under the curse of sin. And the world, because of the curse, carries the threat of death and dying. It carries with it, because of the curse, the thought of suffering and anguish. And so to know that we're in the world should mean that you and I are not surprised that in the world we'll have tribulation. Thankfully, though, if we're saved, we don't have to live for the world. We don't have to let the world be where our treasure lies. For you and I can find peace in this world. You and I can indeed be patient in tribulation. We really need to understand the reality is we will suffer tribulation. Can't avoid it. But God's word tells us that you and I can have peace in the midst of that tribulation. Jesus said in John 16:33, I have spoken these words unto you. Why? That you might have peace. Now, you and I need to understand, as one commentator said, our peace is not found in a cursed world, a decaying antichrist cosmos. Our peace is found in Christ. Now, was the fact that as believers you and I have peace in Christ is also true that many who name the name of Christ don't experience peace. There are many believers who live in turmoil. They don't have the peace that God wants them to have. The truth is, many believers struggle with life. They struggle with the trials of life. And the lack of peace for the believer often comes because they seek or look for peace in the wrong place. They're looking for peace in the world. They're looking for peace in the wrong place. Many lack peace because they're looking for it in the world. And the truth is if we seek peace in the world, what we will find is that we will struggle to endure tribulation. If we're hoping that this world that is corrupt, if we're hoping that this world which is under the curse of sin, if we expect this world to give us peace, then we'll be sorely disappointed. You and I will struggle every day With tribulation and trials, if we look for this world to give us satisfaction, look for the world to give us peace. Because when you and I look at the world, what we find is that people get sick, that people will have disputes one with another, even in churches, that accidents do occur, that hopes and plans are all shattered from time to time people die. And you and I can get very depressed looking at this world, can't we? Read the newspaper, watch the news, listen to the radio. And if we're not careful, we can become some of the most depressed people on the planet. Because all around us is trouble, all around us is strife, all around us is the signs of the times. And as we look at that, we can get discouraged. That's why we're told in God's word to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because as we look in his wonderful face, the song says, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You and I can rejoice in hope, and when we rejoice in hope, we can endure the tribulations because we know that these are simply for a time. They're passing by. You and I are pilgrims passing through and the tribulation we face now will one day come to an end sooner than it was before. Jesus Christ is coming again. There is a glorious day awaiting us. The tribulations will disappear. You and I will be on heaven's shore and you and I will be rejoicing in hope. And because of that we can be patient in tribulation. You see, everything around us, all the sickness and all the, the troubles and all the wars and all the strife and all the, all the people's sinful behaviours, all around us is all a consequence of sin and the curse. And we'll struggle to endure these inevitable trials until we find peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. The commentator McLaren said this, the world conquers me when it comes between me and God, when it fills my desires, when it absorbs my energies, when it blinds my eyes to the things unseen and eternal. When you and I get our focus on this world and all of its troubles and all of its tribulations and all of its trials, and we lose sight of our God, you and I will find that we have no peace. But if you and I will look beyond this world and look to our Saviour and look to him for our peace, he said, peace I will give with to you, and my peace I will leave with you. Jesus said that we will have tribulation and that we can find peace in him. But look what else he says in verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace in the world, Uh, in the world you might have tribulation, be of good cheer! I have overcome the world. You know, knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, one of the realities is that we know that He has overcome the world. And knowing that He's overcome the world should do what for us? According to verse 33, be of good cheer. You and I ought, as believers, ought to be able to have a smile on our face. We ought to be encouraged. We ought to have joy in our hearts. We ought to have an expectation of our hope day by day and we ought to be of good cheer because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. His victory is the foundation of our peace. He's won the victory at Calvary. When he said it is finished, he meant it. The victory was won. He's won the victory, and therefore, be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. One commentator said this, I remember a scene from the movie, Corrie Ten Boone, when she and her sister were in the Nazi concentration camp, and her sister was being taken to the infirmary. She would soon die. Corrie was so mad at the Nazis, at the world... That had so mistreated her and, her and at her God, but her anger and shame but her anger was shamed when her dying sister, who knew where her salvation lay, said to Cory, "No hole is so deep that he is not deeper still." She understood what Jesus said in John 16:33: "Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world." Her trial was great. She died at the hands of the Nazis. But her love for the Lord was greater still. She had to endure the world and its troubles. But the Lord, as her peace, gave her the power to overcome the world. That's what Paul meant when he said in Romans 12, 12, Be patient in tribulation. Trust him. For while the trial may be great, the Lord is greater still. And then lastly this morning, let's consider the fact that tribulation can come in many forms. 2 Corinthians please, 2 Corinthians 7. Tribulation can come in many forms. 2 Corinthians 7. In verses 5 and 6 we read this. But when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side, without with fightings within, with fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. You know, no one knew more about tribulations than the Apostle Paul. And on one such occasion, when Paul came to Macedonia on his third missionary journey, there he had to face various trials, which he tells us about here in verses 5 and 6. In verse 5 he says, His flesh had no rest. It says, For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Now you and I can identify with that in some way in this tiresome body in which you and I live. You know, we get weary with the load of our daily work. If we're parents, our parental responsibilities can weigh us down. Our attendance to God's house, our work for the Lord in his vineyard can all wear us down. And if we are to fulfill our responsibility to put bread on the table to minister to God's people, the weariness of the flesh can be hard to bear. We all get weary. Especially when we're tired, life seems full of battles. Paul knew what it was to be weary. His flesh had no rest. It's like you and I experience. Yet he endured because his confidence was not in himself. It was not in this world. His confidence was in the Lord. Add to the weary body, he goes on to say in verse 5, he goes on, as we read there, it says, but we were troubled on every side without fightings. <laughs> Trouble on every side without with fightings. Which is the idea of contentions. You know, we all experience weariness of the flesh. And many believers also suffer the fightings or the contentions from without. Like those the Apostle Paul experienced in Macedonia. Some believers, you know, have family that thinks that the family members are nuts because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. People at work make it difficult for some who are saved because of their stand that they take for the Lord. And so it goes on. Many experience the fightings, the contentions from without. And then there's the fears within. Look in verse 5. At the end there, within were fears. And we all struggle with them. Fears of not being accepted. Fears of rejection. Fear of failure. Fear of men. Fear of things that could happen to our children. Fears that are the product of uh, of bad upbringings, tribulation comes in many shapes and sizes. And like us, Paul had tribulation. But you know, he also had the resources to persevere, to be patient in tribulation, to endure under the trial. Remember, tribulation, the heavy weight bearing down upon the cart of patience. But he had the patience to endure because his confidence was in God. Look in verse 6. Nevertheless, God that comforteth me, uh, comforteth those that are cast down. Comforteth us by the coming of Titus. God comforteth those that are cast down. His comfort wasn't in fighting the fightings. His comfort wasn't found in giving in to the fear. His comfort was in the God of all comforts. He sought comfort in his God. The word comfort here comes from the same word as comforter in John 14 and 16. We read about the comforter in John 16 earlier this morning. Christ said, it's expedient for me to go away, and then the comforter can come unto you, the Holy Spirit. Paul says that he allowed God, the Holy Spirit to come alongside him to minister to him in his troubles and his weariness of flesh to encourage him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, for that uh, that we may be able to com- comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are souls, our comfort of God. He comforts us in all our tribulation. You and I are told to endure tribulation. You and I are encouraged to be patient in tribulation, to persevere, to stay under the trial, to not quit, to keep on keeping on, because we are serving the God of all comfort. You and I can have peace, for our peace is found in staying close to our Lord. You and I can have patience as we hope in the Lord, as we rejoice in our hope over the Lord, we can have patience in tribulation. As we trust in him. We rest in him. No burden will be too hard to bear. It will remain hard. It will still be there. But we will be able to bear it. And be patient Christians. Look in 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 9. Paul understood this principle. As God gave him a promise. A promise that you and I can all claim. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He could glory in his infirmities. Why? Because God's grace was sufficient for him. And God's strength was made perfect in weakness. And the same is true for you and I. You and I can be patient in tribulations because we have a God of all comfort. Because as you and I rejoice in the hope that is ours, that blessed hope and glorious appearing our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, as you and I hope in our salvation, as we hope in our God, as we hope in eternal life, As we place our hope in God, the God of all comfort, we receive the comfort God gives us in tribulation. And you and I receive the all-sufficient grace. So we're made strength. We're strengthened in our weakness to God's glory. As God promises here in His Word. Pastor Mitchell said, The reason we have so many droopy-lipped, down-in-the-mouth, frightened to witness inexperienced Christians is because so many don't endure tribulation. They think it's too hard to be a straight, totally committed Christian. Well, they're wrong. It is hard, but it's not too hard. If you and I learn to bend the knee to Christ, if we take time to learn of Him, if we lean on Him, if we seek the God of all comfort, you and I will be able to enjoy the trials and the tribulations of life. Tribulation will then produce experience. And experience will produce hope. And then we'll be able to rejoice in hope. You know, God's ways are a mystery. They're not our ways. Therefore, let's trust him and rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, that your word tells us to rejoice in hope and to be patient in tribulation and that we can be patient in tribulation because of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We can be patient in tribulation. We can bear up under the tribulation because you are the God of all comfort. We can bear up under the tribulation because your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, help us as believers to rejoice in hope and to bear up in the tribulation so that you might get all the praise and all the glory. I commend your word to our hearts this morning. Challenge us by it, we pray. Comfort us by it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.